Welcome to the Sales Unscripted Podcast, where it's not what you're saying, but who you're being while you're saying it that matters. Sales and scaling your business is what drives the engine here. So drop in, buckle up, and hold on, because we're about to shake up the sales game with the man behind the mic, Jim Padilla. All right. Thanks, Strickland. Appreciate the handoff, my friend. Uh, Sales Unscripted, Jim Padilla here with 2019 kickoff. And um, I wanted to get right into the heart of helping you make some significant changes. Um, I make sure that when you listen to this episode that you're taking some good notes, you might want to listen to it several times um, and probably periodically throughout the year. We're going to re-promote this podcast, this particular episode, uh, once a quarter um, to make sure that you're on track with all the things that you have been asking. Um, So we've got some questions that you're going to ask. We're going to talk about what's to come for 2019 what things should be inspiring you, what things you should be looking at, what risk you should be taking, what challenges becoming. Uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Um, basically just sharing with you all the things I've been asking of myself and our team. And, uh, and I really hope that it benefits you and I would love to hear from you when you do. There's also an invitation uh, at the end of this. So please stay to the end of it and make sure that it's an opportunity for you to talk to me about how to implement some of this stuff. And uh, you know, it's something I actually get in a little trouble from my team because it should be a paid opportunity. Uh, but I want to help you uh, as you, I, I appreciate you as a gratitude gift uh, for you being a listener and a follower of the sales and scripted podcast and being, and being a loyal fan. Um, I want to offer you a gift of helping you implement and execute some of these strategies, come up with the right ideas for you that will help you scale and leverage your way to success in 2019. Enjoy the episode. It's time to start doing things different. Time to start winning because you planned it. Time to start recognizing the game that you're playing and assessing everything you do, questioning all of it. Because if you don't, you have absolutely no reason or right to expect that you get better. And if you do, better is the only outcome. All right. Here we are. As I'm recording this, uh, this is the first episode that I'm recording of 2019. And uh, we've been in a, a, by a big state of self-discovery, self-examination. <clears throat> and uh, I want to strongly encourage and suggest that you do the same. If you haven't been doing it, you know, as you people start waiting to the fourth quarter, start thinking about next year, you're getting your diet plans, your financial plan. This is the year we're actually going to do it. And uh, I want to share a quick story with you um, around the power of intention and focus. When when, uh, I was coaching high school basketball and, uh, and my daughter Megan was was uh, coming up through the ranks, and she was getting, she was into her high school career, which was a pretty strong one uh, by local standards, at least. Um, and we we you know, we had a a traveling tournament team that was nationally ranked um, to go with it, where most of these kids were going on to play college ball. But when we came into the high school, um, it, they had not had previous playoff success uh, in the program. And we came in and we decided that we wanted a winning team. We were going to have a championship. We knew we had a bunch of talent. We knew we had a window of opportunity to change things. 
Uh, and we actually thought, at first we thought we could change things for this group of kids. Then we realized, you know what, we have something really special that could literally change. We knew we were impacting the way the game was being played, especially for high school girls at that time. And we knew we could change the game possibly forever at this, for in this program and in this region. So we actually had a vision of making that happen. And uh, Orco Arena, which is where the Sacramento Kings used to play, um, was where the section title championship game was always played, the NorCal finals were game, and, and the state championship games were played. And so if you are a basketball player growing up in Sacramento Market, Arco Arena was where it's at. And we, it, most kids would think Arco would be a nice place to go. We'd love to play at Arco, but it was never actually a goal, right? Just like a lot of teams in the professional ranks. You know, they love to play in the NBA Finals. They love to play in a Super Bowl. But is it actually their goal at the beginning of the year? If it's something you never achieved, never thought about, don't even really know how to get there, uh, you hope. And there's probably a lot of hope in what you want to accomplish as well. But are you actually believing you can achieve it? Or actually seeing that it can be done? And if not, why not? Right. So we actually had this mantra. We started calling, we, we really focused on Arco or bust. We decided we, we took a run at the playoffs year one. Our kids were young. They were all a bunch of sophomores, um, uh, our, our star players. And we said, man, we want to go to the playoffs. It was a different agenda. Once we got into the playoffs and realized what we had at our fingertips, that was when we came back to the drawing board. The day after we got eliminated in the playoffs that first year, we, the very next day, we said, we can take this team all the way. We're going to Arco Arena next year. Arco or bust. And we literally owned it. We said, Arco or bust. We spoke it out loud. We started claiming it. It became the mantra. That very week, we went and we got t-shirts made up because we were going to have a summer camp, spring camp coming up. Um, so the off-season program was starting. We got t-shirts made. We drew out all the brackets. As If you're a basketball fan, you know what March Madness and, and the college ranks is the brackets about. High school is the same thing. And we drew out the brackets with our team victorious in the championship slot. And we had those brackets made up, blown up. And then we had them put on t-shirts, Arco or Bust, with the brackets on the back. And we got, we started, we enrolled all the kids in it, parents, the, the, all the community, everybody, we were Arco or Bust. Most people thought it was kind of cool, kind of funny. Some people thought it was lame. We didn't care. We blew up the brackets, like I said, wall size, put them on the wall. Every single day at practice, the kids had to see it. The kids had to touch it. The kids had to own it. After a while, it became the mantra. It became everything we do. Parents started buying in. Parents started doing, um, parents started jumping in and doing extra things, started volunteering, started working more, started, started investing more of their time, started, kids started going to training. Kids started staying after practice later. Kids started going from Friday night parties to Friday night study groups, right? And kids would show up before, before school at 6 a.m to get in the gym and do anything from weightlifting to shooting, right? Everybody started taking on this whole different identity. Coaches started going to clinics, getting as much training as they could. Everybody was about trying to become the best possible version, the person that would make it to ARCO and win. 
right? So the whole culture changed. Everybody's behavior and focus and intentions changed. And lo and behold, fast forward nine months later to March 1st of that year, a Saturday afternoon, a noon game, we were standing on center court, cutting down the nets, cutting down the nets, excuse me, holding up our trophy, section champs. And then factored into the NorCal and we, did, we didn't quite get there. But we, we completely crushed it. And we started wearing out a path to Arco. It became the new normal because we just elevated the level of, of focus and the perspective. So instead of, God, it would be nice to get there, it was, we are going. And what do we need to do to get there? And what kind of opponents do we need to do to play to in order to make sure we're sharp enough and ready? Because we got tired of beating up on the little guys, right? All of this stuff starts happening. Then all of a sudden you have kids that are moving. The culture starts shifting. We're getting televised TV games. We're getting news media coverage. And all of a sudden kids are moving to our area. Parents are taking their kids from all over the place to want to play here, right? So now all of a sudden we've got a whole new program with a whole new identity. And we are champions. And here it is. Now all of those kids, heck, Megan is 27 years old. She's married, just had her first baby. They're, you know, she played, baseball, played basketball in college. All these kids are gone. All the kids who made it happen are gone. The coaches who made it happen are gone. And guess what? The school made it to, uh, to a section title last year. It is now the culture. It is now what is set in place. It is now a leader, a pillar of the basketball community in Northern California in this program. And it's because we shifted the focus that started with a mindset of what is possible and who do we need to become? Who, what do we need to do? Who do we need to become in order to make it happen? Do we have the right systems? Do we have the right processes? What do we need to do to make sure those systems work? What do we need to do to make sure that we're attracting the right players? What do we need to do to make sure that if we can't fix their shot, who can? And how do we bring those people in? We start bringing in experts. We start doing everything possible to ensure that these kids have everything that they could get, possibly get their hands on to ensure success. And they knew how to get to them. They, knew, they started creating their own ways of improvement. Right? So it was, they didn't depend on us to make them better. We started creating an environment where they all sought perfection on their own. And I, I share that story with you because it's critical. It's, it's a reality. And it, ha it can happen in anything. It can happen in a basketball team. It can happen in a corporation. It can happen in your family. It can happen in your business. And you need to be intentional, right? So here we are. We're in the first part of 2019. New year, new opportunity, fresh new start. What are you doing with it? Are you doing more of the same? Are you doing the same stuff you did last year, just more of it? Are you doing it harder, faster, bigger, stronger? Are you... Did you evaluate the possibility of not doing some of the same stuff, even changing, shifting, eliminating, paring down? Are you adding to, right? There's, here's the thing. There's no one way to make it happen. The thing that I want to encourage you to do is I got a bunch of questions that we ask of ourselves. And I'm just going to share all these questions with you so that you can ask them of yourself. And then I would love to hear from you. What are you doing with it? All right, so here we go. Right, this, this is one where you're gonna to wanna to listen with a notebook and a journal and write down, all right? And if, or re-listen re to this over and over again. Because if you ask, if you can ask and answer these questions, your business will change. Your life will change, all right? So first of all, we got a system check-in, all right? Question everything, everything. Yeah, I can hear you. Even the stuff that I know works, especially the stuff that you know works because you're relying way too much on what you think is norm and there's a good chance there's a better way to do it already. Okay. Systems, 
any system you have, why are you using it? Does it still work? And why does it work, right? Does it work and why does it still work? When I'm working with clients, no matter what they're doing, I ask them, why are you doing this? Do you know it works? And why, do you know why it works? Things, oh, we've been doing this. It works for us. It works. Okay, awesome. Do you know why it works? Have you tested what, what is the, the contributing factors, right? If you can answer that to my satisfaction, then I know you have a good, firm handle on it. It's not about proving it to me. It's about making, proving it to yourself, okay? Um, is there something better? And then here's the key. Just because there's something better doesn't mean it's something that you need to do. There's a term called wins above replacement, and it's, 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 it's coined in baseball. I'm a huge baseball guy, I play baseball in college, massive Yankees fan. If you can see my hat over there, and I got a couple more Derek Jeter poser. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the Yankees, right? Anyway, um, Derek Jeter is somebody who drew a lot of uh, conversation around this topic. Wins above replacement. Right. Because you can look at the metrics and sometimes people way overpay for top tier talent. Because you can look at the, the, at the metrics, right? There are certain things that are absolutely tangible in the numbers and there's other things that are X factors. The thing when they talk about wins above replacement, you pay millions of dollars for somebody like Derek Jeter, hundreds of millions of dollars and a rod, right? Some, and you look at what he's, what they're capable of. And you're paying for top tier talent. But the thing that people don't factor in is they're better than the next guy, but how much better? And the term that they use is how many more wins can they get you above the replacement player for them? Right? So maybe A-Rod, that's 300. But his replacement could bat 260. So is $200 million worth that extra 40 percentage points in their batting average? right? Because it's not that you're paying for a 300 player, it's that you're paying for how much extra above the replacement, okay? Um, and with some players, the stats is, are just the stats. A Barry Bonds, right? He was a stat breaker, never, you know, it, he was not a championship player, right? Um, that was always his knock, right, to the right circumstances. Derek Jeter was the kind of guy who was a championship player, even if his numbers didn't bear it. He had the intangibles. He had, his metrics were above the next guy. His intangibles were exponentially above the next guy. He was the guy who would get you wins. He was the guy that could get other players to play better, to think better, to want to win, to move the needle drastically. So wins above replacement for Derek Jeter was worth every penny you could play because he was a legendary player. Right. And uh, the reason I, I want you to connect the dots to that is, is where sometimes in business, we have something we're doing. We see somebody else doing something that's working a little bit better than what we're doing, but then well, it's going to cost a fortune. Right? Maybe does it make sense to migrate to that platform or to that, put that system in place when ours works pretty well, theirs might get us a few more wins, but is it worth the thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars it might cost you to implement that, or maybe the lost time while you're trying to learn a new process. There's no wrong answer here, guys. I'm just getting you to answer, answer it for yourself. Ask the question and answer it. You have to answer it. And the very fact that you're in that dialogue means you're, you can now move the needle and see how else it can work. Try to do something different. And before you ever abandon a specific way of doing things, keep doing what you're doing and then try a new way. Like right now, we're actually uh, rolling out a new uh, commission structure, a new pay structure um, for our 
for our company. But we're not just abandoning the old one. We are rolling it out in a new division in a, on a certain set of campaigns to test it and we we'll see how, what we can do and, and, you know, does it work better? Does, you know, what we can migrate? What is this a combination of the two, et cetera. And there's others, right? So always be testing, right? So got a little deeper in that than I, than I planned to, but um, yeah, I'm sure you get where I'm going. All right. You're picking up what I'm putting down here. Okay. So make sure that it's, it's better, but better enough to justify the expense, the cost, right? You don't just want to be moving dirt around. You want to be cleaning things up. All right. Um, and also be aware of who is it better for? Is it better for you? Is it better for your clients? Is it better for your team? Is it better for, for the marketplace? Are you changing the industry? Right. Think about all that stuff. Don't just think, yeah, it's better. That's, that's a pretty broad statement. Right. We always have to look at things. We had to, we had to make a decision and priorities. And we actually used to take the approach that our clients, pleasing the clients was the most important thing. Satisfying the clients was always the goal. We wanted to wow our clients at every turn. But then we started looking at sometimes to wow our clients, we would put a heavy burden on our team and ourselves um, because, you know, it would cost a lot of extra work, possibly extra money, resources, um, and for a little, a little extra outcome and maybe not even an extra outcome. So rather than just wowing the clients and impressing them with what they, you know, meeting their requests, we started taking the approach of, okay, how, how can we still accomplish wowing the clients while taking care of honoring the team, right? So we actually flipped the role and about the end of 2016, we said, okay, from now on, the goal is let's wow our team. And in the process, we're going to, the team will wow our clients. But we, it went, the, the, the thing that gave us was a barometer for decision-making. So anytime something came up where we had to shift a process or a way of doing things, maybe a client would request, well, I, I would like our, my metrics delivered this way. And we could say, okay, no problem. But it would put a burden on our team. Our tech team would have to create something new. Our team would have to do some extra things uh, and be extra work. But it didn't really impact the result much. We had to decide, was, okay, let's make sure that we do this in a way that honors the team. And sometimes we have to tell a client, you know what, we're not going to be able to do that, but here's what we can do instead. Or here's why that's not the best idea for you. Here's how we can help it impact the results you're looking for. Which of course starts with the question of why are you wanting that change in the first place? What is it that you're looking for? Okay. So be clear of, is it worth moving? The, does it move the needle? Is it worth moving the needle? And who does it move the needle for? Okay. Keep these questions in mind. Next. All right. Processes. What can be taken away? What can be streamlined? Just because you're doing it and just because you've been doing it doesn't mean you need to continue doing it. Does it still work? Does it still matter? Right? We've eliminated several processes. This 2018 to 2019, we eliminated programs. We eliminated products. We eliminated processes. We eliminated team. Certain way, we, we, got, we changed a lot of things. And they were difficult decisions because everything we've done, we like and, and it's worked. It is, you know, we're emotionally attached to, quote unquote. And, you know, we had to have hard conversations with people who matter to us greatly, who've been very strong contributors to what we've been doing. We say, look, we don't have a huge, we don't have a need for you right now, but we, we, when this comes back around, you're going to be the first person that we bring in, right? And sometimes it just has to happen. It's not because they did anything wrong. It just, it was time. Right? It was simply because we asked the question, is this a necessary process? Because there were times we were keeping a process in place simply because we had a team member we didn't want to let go of. <laughs> that, you know, there was a lot of, it wasn't benefiting them or us in the big picture. All right. Um, here's something you want to think about. Have leaders 
from different departments ask questions of your process. Have people, because everything in your company affects everything else, right? So we have people in our finance team department ask questions about our sales process. Have people in our sales process ask teams, ask questions about our operations, about our finance, right? Because once you start getting into something, you're, you're going to disrupt an industry from the outside because you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, I, I always use this example of you go into a company and there's a, an office, there's a door that's locked and everybody walks by it and nobody touches it because the door's been locked for a decade. And everybody just assumes you don't ever go in there because nobody's ever seen anybody go in there. But it's just another office. Everybody assumes it's some storage closet. Nobody knows because you've never tried it. And then somebody new comes along and they don't know which door to go in. So they try that door. Lo and behold, it wasn't even locked. And they go in and it was a whole other office and there was an opportunity or whatever. You don't even know what's behind magic door number two. Okay. But because this person didn't know, they found something that was awesome. They found an opportunity. They found a resource. Right. That's the kind of thing that's going to happen when you have people who don't know what they don't know. They're going to push the button that you're not supposed to push. They're going to open the door that you haven't opened because it's just, which is not how we've done it. Right. Allow that type of discovery and exploration because you're not the person who's likely going to find the things in your own, in your own department, in your own expertise that are going to change things. It's going to require something from the outside. Remember, disruption happens from the outside. It doesn't have to be outside the company, but outside the department, outside the, the, the thinking. Take somebody who's a non-creative thinker and have them interact with people who are in your creative side and vice versa, Right. Take somebody who's a, who's a creative and have them look at the operations process thing just to ask questions. And then, you know, you might find out, hey, you're bulletproof and you've got, you've been doing things fantastically. Or you might find out there's a lot more things that can be done better. All right. Look at your contracts, internal and external. You know, we've, we, we changed contracts. We, we've decided, we looked at our contracts. We've been using the same contracts for our clients for three years with our team. We decided, wow, we looked at them. We're like, that's, that, was, that made sense at the time, but we don't even do that part now. Let's take that out. Let's eliminate this. Let's add this. This doesn't even make sense here um, because we're just going with the flow, right? So assess that stuff. Does it still make sense? Is it still how you want it? Does it accomplish what the intended outcome is, right? Don't let your answer to anything be because that's how we've always done it. If, you're, if somebody asks you a question and your answer is because that's how we've always done it or because that's how the industry does it or because that's what seems to make the most sense, then you, that's your first clue that you need to evaluate that process because you need to be able to answer it by saying that works because we've tested it and here's been the outcomes. We know the result. The answer to that question is X, Y, Z because we've seen it happen like this, right? Now you have a tangible, logical dialogue around it. And then somebody can also, that can open a door to a conversation because somebody can say, well, that's interesting because I've actually seen it happen the opposite. Now you can, again, Explore it, test it, see what can go on, right? But pay attention to the kind of answers you give and the kind of answers your clients or team give around processes and systems, okay? Um, here's a big question for yourself. And this might be the biggest one you could ask. What's the number one way somebody could put you out of business? Look at all the things you're doing great. That's fantastic. You don't get put out of business because of the things you're doing great. You get put out of business because of the things you weren't thinking about. You get, you get put out of business because of the opportunities you missed because it wasn't on your radar. You get put out of business because you didn't pay attention to a weakness that someone else exploited, so, right? Someone else came along and made better. 
right? We've, we've had to look at this several times. You know, we were, uh, we were not pioneer. We didn't invent anything, but in our particular industry in the coaching transformation space, we kind of we pioneered uh, this particular d- opportunity that we put out in play and we, we took it to a level. But now there's a lot of other players on the market, right? And we had to make sure we stay relevant we stay focused, we stay on our point, we still keep leveraging on our expertise, and then finding what are the areas of weakness? What is somebody else, what is it that something that someone else could do that we haven't even attempted to do? And one of those such things is lead generation, right? We haven't done that in the past. So all of our clients are ideally already focused, nailed on the lead generation, and we master the conversion. But we've also realized that Lead generation is just a necessary part of the process. We need to be able to bring that to the table. So we want to bring that in because that's something that a two, a double-ended um, uh, opportunity could be something that would be desirable. Like that's something could, you know, I wouldn't say we put us out of business because, you know, we won't fail. That's not who we are. I, I always bet on me um, and, and on Cindy and our team and our, you know, what we've got. But, um, but you always have to be examining it because nobody's fail-proof. Nobody's bulletproof. Right? Nobody's quote unquote too big to fail, right? You all heard that. Um, so and neither are you. So what are the things that could put you out of business? Because you cannot forever for a minute believe that you're the only person that does what you do or the only person who can, who, who can create the solution that you can create for other people, right? You have to be constantly examining it. Not to mention, even if you are, a lot of, there are so many people, you know, we have a ridiculous, awesome company with tons of systems, strategy, process, we've been doing, we're great at what we do. And there's a lot, there's other people out there who have one person and three, and three people and they call themselves a sales and outsource sales team solution. They don't do any of the stuff we do. They have nowhere near the opportunities, the metrics, the resources, the processes, the technology, they don't have the stuff that we do. But to the client, they don't know that. The client doesn't know that. The end user doesn't know. So because other people position themselves in ways that make them look similar to you if you're great at what you do, right? So always be aware of what could people exploit uh, in your weaknesses. What, what things, what weaknesses do you have that could literally cost you business, could cost you clients, could cost you your, 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 your business, your business dream, right? Ask, what am I doing to make life easier for myself, for my clients, for my team? What is my team doing to make life easier for themselves? for me, for my clients? What are my clients doing to help make things easier for themselves, for me, for my team? You have to evaluate all of that. It's all a dynamic relationship and they're all interdependent. Constantly be evaluating. So you know what? Every time our client is doing this, it's putting a massive strain on the outcome and it's costing us, while we're trying to get this part done, it's taking away from our effectiveness of giving them the actual results they paid for. Or my team is not doing this that way because, and so what, and and it's causing a strain on the client or it's causing a strain on us and being able to help lead them and get them the resources they need, whatever. Or what am I doing that's creating too much of a workload and demand for the team, Uh, creating an extra expense in technology that doesn't need to be there, right? We we evaluated, we went through all of our, our memberships and our subscriptions and we cut stuff out. We've been paying 99 a month for this and 37 a month for that and 129 a month for that. And all these things that have been going on for years are limiting. Are we using this? Are we optimizing this? Is there something better? Cut it out, cut it out, cut it out, right? What other thing, what do you, what do you, what are the things that need to be there? What are the things that need to be there? Take the 80, 20 rule approach to everything, everything, to your technology, to your resources, to, to your team, to everything you're doing, right? Um, what are we doing that we should no longer be doing? 
what should we be doing that we are not doing, right? In both cases, does it make sense to do it or does it make sense to bring an expert in? If you're doing it, should you be doing it? Does it mean eliminate it or does it mean time to hire someone else to do it? Uh, does it mean time? To, you know, we're, we're, one thing we're doing this year is we've taken a different approach. We started breaking up our company from a view, instead of a organizational chart, we're looking at a business network chart. So like every single thing that happens in our company is now a separate division in, in, our, in our framework. And then in that, in that division, that ne division needs to be self-sustaining or what else, you know, we have to identify what is it, what is the other division that could be sustaining it, right? So then as a result, when we look at it, we can go, okay, is this something we still want to do or is it necessary? And if it's necessary and we're not the, doing it the best because it's not our core deliverable, should we be doing it or should we be outsourcing it? Or should we altogether buy and acquire a company that does that? Right? So look at everything that you do as a separate division and then ideally as a separate business. That way it's not all just part of delivering what you do because it may not be the best part of what you do. Okay. Um, a couple of things I'm going to wrap this up. What are your goals for the year? Are they bigger and more than last year? And bigger enough <laughs> to inspire you to actually change. Do your goals scare you? Now, it's an old cliche. We've heard it so many times. Make your goals so big that they scare you. But I believe that if your goals aren't big enough to scare you, they're not going to move you. And the whole purpose of having goals is to be able to twofold. Number one, motivate you and two, magnetize you. They should pull you towards them and they should motivate you to change and grow and do something. You have to become something more so that you can do something more. If you don't have a goal that forces you to, to, to do something more, take bigger partners, take bigger risks, become something different, then you don't have goals. Okay. And don't, don't set your goals based on what you think you're capable of. Set your goals based on where you want to be. What is it going to take to drive you, to get your butt out of bed? You know, if you want to, there's something I always have to do. I have to manipulate myself, right? And trick myself. Sometimes I, you know, I don't like to get up at 5 a.m. Sometimes I'll sleep in until 6 or 7, sometimes even later. But I'm also a massive late night person. I do a lot of work late at night. And I want to start getting up earlier. So... I, you know, I crush it in business. So what can I do that's going to cause me, force me to get up a little earlier? Create goals that require more of me, right? Create goals that require more of me. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting up at six, right? I have a goal to get, I have a, uh, I work out at a UFC gym, right? Doing some mixed martial arts stuff, some tr training workouts, and they have a 5.30 a.m. class. I have looked at that class a dozen times. I have never shown it. But my goal is in the next, in quarter one, to, I'm moving the needle, right? I'm starting to get up at six. And I'm going to start moving it to five. I want to get up at five so I can make that 5.30 class. I want to start starting my day with a 5.30 a.m. kickboxing class, right? But that's secondary because the real goal is I have some massive bigger goals I'm trying to accomplish. I want to get into my day earlier and I want to be five invigorated when I do. Right. So how can you, but it starts with knowing what your end goal is, right? What are you trying to accomplish? All right. What scale events are part of that plan? Right. Don't keep thinking you're just going to do more transactions. Start thinking of ways of how do I put together a six figure project? Don't think, how do I get another client? You have to get past that point. If you're still at the point where how do I get another client, then we've got to get you past that quick. Reach out. Let's talk. Let's figure out how to get that solved and settled. That should not be a problem for you. 
Okay. We don't think in terms of how do we get a new client? We think in terms of how do we bring in a hundred thousand dollars this week? How do we put a project in place that's going to generate a hundred six figures every time we put it in place? So then we can just rinse and repeat. How do we put a strategy in place that can make us a million dollars? How do we bring in a partner that can open a door to dozens of six figure relationships? right, et cetera. So keep thinking in terms of leverage and scale. Is there a launch? Is there a live event? What's something that's gonna put me in a position of doing one to many instead of one to one? And something that will in and of itself open its door to massive other opportunities. And something that will require so much more of me that I'm gonna to have to take on a partner, somebody else who can think at my speed or bigger and be able to drive more to this process, okay? So what scale events are part of that plan? What new systems and strategies and partnerships will make that plan work? I would love to talk to you about that. This is the lane that I live in. I spent all of my time generating partnerships, relationships, and scale strategies. My brain thinks like that. I I'm inviting you to come and talk to me about what's on your calendar for this year and how can we infuse some more leverage scale activities so that we can get you where you need to go faster and more effectively. Whether or not, this isn't about you talking about hiring me and our company. This is about me helping you. And if it makes sense, awesome. Then let's talk about what kind of partnerships could be in place. But I'm, I'm a connector. I know a lot of people who would be ideal partners for what you need. So let's talk about what you need, lay out some quality strategies, and then make some connections for you. Reach out, talk to me. There's a link uh, down here for you to click on to get on my calendar and let's talk about it. Uh, or reach out to podcast at salesunscripted.com. Uh, would love to hear from you. I, I, really, I want to know what changes out of everything we've been talking about, what hits you the most? Uh, what are these changes you're going to implement? You should be asking all of these questions and I would love to know what kind of things are coming up for you when you're asking them right? Go out and make a difference, change some people's lives, and we'll see you soon. All right, Jim, I'll show them where to go from here, man. Look, if you love what you're hearing, here is a great way to get more. You can get a free month's access to our awesome drop-in coaching group. Here's all you got to do. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and share it. Let us know when you do at salesunscripted.com forward slash get more. Look for the share your review button on the page. That's all you got to do. We'll see you next week.